want to welcome you to the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. Life can be hard enough, but if we don't learn to love the process, we can't expect to grow from the things that we've learned. Let's tune in as Pastor John brings the word. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. Hebrews 10 and 36. As you guys are turning there, if you don't have your Bibles, you can look up here on the Sky Bible. Sky Bible. I just want to explain to you, so let me catch you up to what's going on with us. We've been talking about being intentional at the beginning of the year. Uh, we've talked about living intentional. Um, and it's half the year's over. So now that half the year's over, I think at the beginning of the year, we got excited about being intentional. And then after about four months, we fell off the wagon and we forgot about being intentional. So God is reminding us about being intentional. And we learn these things, and we're going to continue with that, and we're going to, we'll talk about it. I'll bring you up to speed. But I want you guys to understand something, that nothing in life happens by accident. Nothing in life happens by accident. We have to be intentional about what God has given us and what God has for us. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 says this, For you have need of patience, that after you have wished for something, Okay, somebody's reading? Okay, after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Let me read it again. You are in need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Living intentional means doing it on purpose, deliberately, and making something happen. Vivir intencionalmente significa hacerlo a propósito, hacer que algo suceda deliberamente. People don't become successful by accident. Las personas no tienen éxito por accidente. Intentionality breeds success. Let me say that to you one more time. Intentionality breeds success. La intentionalidad genera éxito. If you're intentional about what you're doing, it's going to happen. But if you're not, if you're just waiting for things to happen, it just don't work like that. You don't make, I mean, you don't go on, like, we just got back from vacation. We didn't just happen to go on vacation. We didn't just jump in the car and start driving and figure out where we were going when we got there. We planned it out. And because we planned it out, we made it happen. If you're intentional about what you are doing, you will complete the vision that God has given you. Si tiene intenciones sobre la que está haciendo, completera la vision que Dios tiene para usted. When it comes to fulfilling a vision, la espiritualidad sin sentido práctico no es una realidad. Tú estás deseando. What's that mean? If you have spirituality without practicality, your dream will never become a reality. You're just wishing. And wishing takes no place. It has no place in the kingdom of God. We like to wish for things. That means I just want it to happen. I want to snap my fingers and say, God, make me rich. Can anybody get an amen to that? So through the weeks, we also saw that God was intentional about creation. También vimos que Dios fue intencional sobre la creación. God was intentional about creation. He didn't just snap his finger and and Thanos it, okay? It didn't happen like that. Some of y'all got that. God thought about it, he spoke it, and then he created it. You notice when he made man, he got the dust of the ground and formed it. 
there was a process to him making man. He deliberately went through a process, and he was intentional about it. He thought about us. He knew that we were going to mess up. We, how did God know we were going to mess up? How do we know that he knows? Because the Bible declares that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the earth was even formed. He had us in his mind and knew that we were going to mess up somewhere down the road. So he made a way for us to be back in the relationship with him before the earth was even made. Intentional. That's intentional. I planned it out. I thought about it. I prophesied. I saw, the, I saw the, the, the gap before I got to the gap, and so I created a solution before I even got to the problem. Come on. That's what some of us need to do. And we, lack, we lack the ability of foresight. We need to be able to see down the road and predict problems and come up with solutions with these problems before we get there. Because if we wait, if somebody goes, well, you know when you get there, you're going to have to say, I'm going to cross that bridge when I get to it. Huh? Well, there's a problem with that. Because first of all, when you get to that bridge, you don't know how big that bridge is, and you don't even know if that bridge is out. And if you wait to deal with a small problem, that small problem now becomes gigante. We that are Christ-like are Christians should be intentional too. Entonces nosotros que somos como Cristo o cristianos, but there's a problem that we all have, pero hay un problema que todos tenemos. It's called procrastination. We are all guilty of procrastination. Todos somos culpables de la procrastinación. Do you guys realize that procrastination is a killer of all dreams? It ain't the devil. You guys know we like to blame the devil for everything. Man, I had a dream and the devil came and sabotaged what God was trying to do in my life. You know what the devil's doing? He's sitting back eating popcorn. He probably don't even know your name. But you know what he'll do? I'll take credit for it. Don't you guys know the word of God when it says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and any word that rises up against me, God shall condemn? Don't you realize that? So it ain't the devil that's stopping you, it's you stopping you. And the chances probably are you've been procrastinating. We learn the best time to do things is when you first think about it. Aprendimos que la mejor momento para hacerlo es cuando lo pensamos por primera vez. Hazlo ahora. Do it now. When you think about it, do it now. I have to share with you guys, this is how important it can be. It's not always this serious, but there was one time I was sitting at home, just sitting there, and you guys ever have somebody cross your mind? You go, let me call them. Well, I'll call them. I'm going to make sure, I'm gonna make sure I call them later on today. That happened to you? But you never call them. Oh, you, you guys are saved. <laughs> Telling the truth. Right? Well, one day, and I've done it too, one day God put this person on my mind, and I hadn't talked to him for a while, I even seen him. So I called him, and as I called him and said, hey, man, what you doing? Like nothing. All of a sudden, God started giving me words and knowledge, and I started seeing what he was doing. And I just want to let you guys know, is signs, miracles, and wonders follow confirming the word of God. We got to stop looking for signs before we do stuff. 
See, I just heard the Lord. I knew it was the Lord when that, that, his face came across my mind. So I called him to check up on him. And as I did it, the signs, miracles, and wonders, the words of knowledge came to me. And I said, hey, I need you to get up off the couch. I need you to turn the lights on and open up the windows. Let the, let the light in. And he got up. I can hear him moving around. I said, now open up your back door and go outside. And I need you to take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath. Took a deep breath. I said, look at all the greenery and the plants that you have in your backyard. Now I need you to go to your front door. Go out your front door, and I need you to just start walking down the street. Look at the trees. Look at, look at the grass. Look at anything green. And as I was talking to him, I all of a sudden started hearing him cry. I said, so what's going on, man? He said, you know, when you called me, I was just getting ready to kill myself. I was depressed. I'm tired of being sick. See, that's how important it is for us to do it now. It could mean somebody's life. Now, maybe it's not that serious. Maybe it's not somebody's life. Maybe just somebody might be getting ready to step into something that they don't need to step into. Maybe somebody's about to make a decision that's going to change their life. And as you make the phone call, God's going to give you wisdom supernaturally to help them out in that time of need. That's why the best time to do it is as soon as you think about it. Amen. So what is it about? What is it about that that we all procrastinate? Well, psychology today says there are four reasons why people procrastinate. The number one thing is this, absence of structure. Anybody in here have the gift of administration? Does it frustrate you when people aren't organized? Okay, that's what absence of structure means. You could tell, I, I, I could tell how organized somebody is if by looking in their closet. Yeah, somebody was saying, oh, I thought I was organized. <laughs> Hence the term, you know, people talk about what are you hiding in your closet? Because the closet really tells what, how a person is. You go in there, you can look and go, okay, I see how organized this is. I got a friend, praise God. He, that, I got, oh, that means I'm on track. It's okay. That's the Lord telling me I'm on track. So even his toolbox, I open it up. If I use the tool and came back and put it back a little sideways, he'd run back and grab it and put it straight and then set it back in it. He was organized. We didn't even eat dinner without a plan. You, okay, you're going to sit here. You're going to sit here. The plates are going to be there. You're going to serve the drinks. You're going to do this. And that, that drives a lot of people crazy. But those are the people that are getting things done. Those are the people whose dreams and visions come true because they're intentional about it. But when you have absence of structure, you, you, you won't do anything. You, you'll, you, you're an impulse person. You guys know people, see, see when in the military, we have things that you, you're, you're either tactical or strategic. See, the tactical people move because they need you now. But strategic command, they plan everything out. They make sure, well, okay, we're going to be here, logistics, we do all this different stuff. They have all these things here. But tactical guys, they're just sitting there. They call QRF, quick, quick, um, QRF, don't forget that fast. Anyway, they, they react force, quick reaction force. So they sit there, they're just waiting. They get a phone call, they know how to go in and take care of things without planning it. It's like, kill everything. <laughs> You're laughing, but that's what we do when we live by impulse. We don't plan anything out. We just go into it. Ah, it doesn't matter. We'll kill everything. Just do it, 
right? So we have no structure in our life. And because we don't have structure, we know that when something comes before us and we know it's going to take uh, uh, some type of administration to build something, to do it, we won't do it. We'll procrastinate because it, it, we don't have that ability to, to put structure to something that has no form. You guys with me? See, God, when God, he says that God saw the darkness and he separated the light from the darkness and he said, and the void had no form. But God, who is a God of structure and order, put form to it. And he began to call out the form and he began to build the form. And you guys remember there was a prophet that looked over these valley of dry bones and, and God said, speak life over those bones. But he didn't just speak life. If you notice, he started calling those things to come back. And as he began to speak life, the structure was the first thing that happened to the body. That structure was what? The bones came together. So there has to be structure. If there is no structure, you're going to procrastinate. I, I don't know how to do it. Truthfully, I'm not a very administrative person. Had to admit it. But my wife is. And me being a man realized the gifts that my wife has. And instead of trying to be a man that's like, no, I got this, I have to be a man that says, we're one, so I'm, I'm going to come up with the idea, and can you put some form to it, please? So don't get mad if you ever talk to me and you say, I need a meeting with you. And I look at you and go, call my wife. Because you tell me, I'm tactical. I'm going to do it. I'll do it when I think about it. And if I'll, I'll forget it within five minutes once you tell me. Don't, don't, don't charge it to my head. Don't charge it to my heart. That's all I got to say. So we have to have structure. When we don't have structure, we live by impulse. We, we do what we feel. And the problem with impulse is, is that it doesn't require planning. It is frustrating to have a dream and not know how to get there. People that constantly procrastinate are usually unorganized and unstructured people. Number two, number two the second reason why we procrastinate, because there's an unpleasant task. I just want you to think about what's at home right now that you should have done yesterday. Most of us will put off those tasks that we don't want to do, such as exercising, mowing the lawn, laundry, or showing up to church to serve. We will put off what we don't feel like doing. Vamos a posponer lo que no tenemos ganas de hacer. If we don't feel like doing it, we ain't going to do it. Like, how many people have planned on going to the gym? You ain't got to tell the truth. But we just don't want to go because we don't feel like it, especially if we're sore after we went to the gym once or twice. Huh? I can ask my wife right now. There's so many times that people come to my wife and they talk about how they want to be in shape and everything else like that, and she's like, great, come to the class. And it does, she, they come do the class, and they'll see them like one or two days. And then when their body gets sore, it changes the way they feel about being in shape. Uh, I don't feel like it. It's unpleasant to be sore. It's unpleasant to get up early. It's unpleasant. Hey, there's nothing wrong with washing the clothes. It's folding them. Can I get an Amen. Oh, hallelujah. I can wash clothes all day and dry them. And put, got about four laundry baskets full of clothes. I'm like, I do not feel like doing this. 
Third reason, third reason why we procrastinate. Timing. Timing. Listen to this very carefully. If the reward isn't immediate, we'll put it off. If I can't get what I want out of it, if I can't reap what I've just sown in the next 10 minutes, I'm not going to do it. So, for instance, if you have five tasks to do and four out of those five tasks, you're not going to get to reap the benefit of the work until weeks later. But one of those tasks, you'll reap the benefit once you're done with it. You know which one you're going to do first? The one you're going to get the immediate reward. But, you know, a lot of times there's so many of us in here that determine our careers based upon how long education is. Young people, you better listen to this. You sit down and go, man, I want to be a doctor. I'm smart enough to be a doctor, but you got to go to school for a long time. And I want to be rich now. I want to get paid now. Huh? So then what do you tell yourself? Okay, let me think of another career that makes a lot of money that I don't have to go to as much schooling. Because you're looking for the immediate reward. There's not, the timing ain't right. So you settle for something less. Now it's good and it might bring you money, but you've fallen short of your potential. And that's the greatest travesty ever, is that you don't live up to your God-given potential because of timing. I, I don't want to, I want it now. I don't want it later. Now here goes the fourth one. Fourth reason why we procrastinate. And that's anxiety. Miedo. Fear. You're scared. Scared of what? Procrastinators may postpone getting started because they fear that they're going to fail. There's people in here right now that have businesses that won't grow because you're afraid that something's not going to work. There's people in here that won't dedicate all their life, get everything into it. Why? Because fear of failure. What if it doesn't work? What if I wasted my time? But you know what the problem is? You get my age, y'all, and look back and you'll have regret that you never even tried. Listen, why do you think God has commanded us to be courageous and have courage? Because he knows fear is ever present. You guys hear me? See, being courageous, you can't be courageous without fear. If there's no fear, there's no courage. Courage is doing it afraid. That's what courage is. And that's what God's called us to do. Even though we, we procrastinate because it's like, uh, I might do it later. There's one thing that I learned as being a pastor is that when you first start pastoring, you're in control of everything by yourself. I was doing everything. I was playing the drums. My wife was singing. I was getting up from the drums. I was running over to the, I was doing the, the media. Then I'd come back. I was doing the scripture, doing the offering. I was doing everything. But then there come a time that I had to start turning stuff over to other people to do. But I was like, what if they mess it up? I had to get over that fear. And guess what? Some people did mess it up. But it taught me greater leadership. Because most of the time they messed up is because I wasn't leading them correctly. So as I began to learn to lead and start handing over more and more responsibility, guess what happened? Turn and look around you. This place went from my couch to here to building phase two now. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because there's visions and dreams that God has given you that he wants to make sure you're not doing by yourself. That's why he doesn't give you all the things that you need in you. That's why there's a body of Christ. Do you realize that my body isn't just a torso? I can't do anything if it's just a torso. He's given me arms and legs. 
to help me do the things that I need to do to keep this body alive. And that's how the body of Christ is. But, you know, there's certain things that we're going to have to do that we're going to be afraid to do. We have to step out on faith. So now if you add all these four things up, it will add up to this one thing. Posponamos porque no nos gusta el proceso queremos cambiar sin hacer cambios. Which means we procrastinate because we don't like the process. We want to change without changing. Nobody likes change. I could look in your ashtray if you're not a smoker. You know what's in there? Change. I hate change. People, people, people look, yeah, you and Papa. People love that Papa will pick up a penny in a second. He's like, uh-uh. I hate change. But you know the problem is we want everything without changing. You guys realize that? We resist process because we resist change. We want a desired outcome that keeps us the same. I don't want my convenience disturbed. I don't want my comfort disturbed. I don't want it to cost me anything. I don't want to have to sacrifice for it, but I still want this particular outcome. Who wants to be rich? I heard that. I know I want to be rich. But you know what? We want to be rich without changing. And let me tell you what happens. You know why the lotto is so successful? Because you can get rich without doing anything but buying a ticket. One dollar can make you a millionaire. But here's a sad story. Most people that win the lotto, get millionaires, end up more broke than they were beforehand. They end up owing money. You know why? Because they didn't go through the process of changing to become a millionaire. They just became a millionaire. And because they didn't learn to be a millionaire, because they didn't go through the process and the hard work and the stress of earning that money, that money, that dream, that vision destroyed them. It's about the process. Praise God. I want to be rich, but I don't want to work for it. I want to be in good shape, but I don't want to exercise and change my diet. I didn't get many amens. Everybody wants to be slim, trim, and above the rim. Am I right? Everybody wants to be. I want to walk around yoke wearing tank top. I want to preach in a tank top. <laughs> Get all oiled up and preach. It's like, you know what I'm saying? I, want, I really want a six-pack. My wife was preaching about it. I said, I don't have a six-pack. I got a four-pack. I told you, Judah said it, too. I was messing with her. I had my shirt off. He goes, Dad, you have a four-pack. One, two, three, four, fat. But we all want to be slim, trim, above the rim. And guess what? We all could be there. But you know what? We don't want to go through the process of getting there. It's funny. We want the result, but we don't want to go through what we have to go through to get it. We don't want to go through the process. We are more outcome-driven than process-focused. We focus more on the outcome than what it takes to get there. This doesn't make sense. It's like, man, you know what? I want to go to Hawaii. Okay, you're wishing. But if you go, I want to go to Hawaii, let me see what it's going to take for me to get there. You know, if you win a trip to Hawaii, it's fun. But if you have to work to get to Hawaii, you're going to have a lot more fun getting when you get there. Y'all didn't hear me on that because you worked hard for it. It doesn't matter. Whatever, you get to Hawaii and it's raining. 
you're still going to have fun because I worked hard for this, baby. I saved up for the last year and a half to get here. I'm staying in an Airbnb somewhere in the Hawaiian ghetto. <laughs> but I'm having a good time because I work for this. Because you went through the process. Do you guys realize that God is all about process? Let's use the word of God to help us conquer procrastination. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to learn to love the process. Hebrews 12 and 2. Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith process, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I want to read the Amplify for you because I like the way it breaks it down. It says, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith into maturity process, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross disregarding shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. Amen. See, we read this and we notice that this is all about a process. Do you realize that Jesus just didn't pop up on the scene in the Bible? You guys with me? He didn't just pop up. Elijah just popped up out of nowhere. We just, you know, and God could have done that. But God wanted to show us that he is all about process. He showed us the process of him coming from heaven and going to earth. When, uh, when the angel and the spirit of God, excuse me, the spirit of God fell upon Mary and she became pregnant, this is part of the process that God came to earth. He didn't just pop up as a human. He went through the process of birthing through a female. And as he came up, he went through the process of being a child. And you guys know it's hard being a kid if you don't look at your own kids. And as he grew up, listen, he had to be rejected of men. You guys ever been rejected? Is there people that you love that don't love you back? There's people that you've accepted that don't love you back. Your own children, your own family has rejected you. Jesus went through the same thing. He went through the process. People, a lot of people think that when it talks about all this thing, the, the shame that he, he, he endured, we think that all this enduring was just the point of when he was, he was captured and he was accused and he was beaten and he was hung on the cross. We think of it just in there. But it was his whole life that he endured. All these things. Why? Because of the glory that was set before him. He knew there was a glory. There was something greater. I'm going to go through this process because I know what's going to happen at the end of this process. And I know if I just go through the process, I'll complete the goal, which will give God the glory. So the first step that we have to take to fall in love with the process is, number one, is look at Jesus. Just got to look at Jesus. Hebrews 12 and 2 said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Author, finisher, somewhere in between is the process. You know, any author that writes anything has to think about it first. And then when he thinks about it, he starts writing it down. When God thought about you, he says, you know what? I knew you before you were in your mother's womb, which means I knew you, so I'm going to bring you to pass because I've ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. So he started out the book, which is called you. He started it and then placed you in your mother's womb. Now, you may have been placed in your mother's womb by accident, but it was an accident that God placed you there. 
I don't care what your mama says or your daddy says. I don't care who left you or rejected you. God saw you before the foundations of this earth, reached into his belly, pulled you out, called you, ordained you, and then placed you in your mother's womb. Then you were born. He took you through this process, and he's a finisher of your faith. So Jesus showed us what it's like. He showed us, even in the scripture, that he kept the glory before him, which allowed him to endure the process. So we have to look at Jesus as our example. Jesus Christ. We are Christians, followers of Christ. He is our example, the author and finisher. The second step that we have to do is fall, to fall in love with the process is keep your eye on the prize. We get, so, we get so entangled with the process that we forget why we're doing it. You guys, I'm, I, I got to use working out because I've been working out lately, and my wife's been working out a lot, and all the friends, everybody's working out, and people forget about their goal. And they get entangled with the pain and the hunger pains, which is worse than the physical pains. Because for some reason, when you're working out, you're up late at night, even though you're tired. And when you're up late and you watch TV, you want a snack. Double stuff Oreos. <laughs> Hallelujah. The yellow ones, what is it? Vanilla? You kidding me? Oh my gosh. You start thinking about all these things candies and Jolly Ranchers and soda pops. Because we lost sight of the goal. Everybody, I can hear your, your, your stomachs are speaking tongues right now. From, from out of your bosom shall flow. Habakkuk 2 and 2, it says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision down and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Process. But during that process, why don't you write it down? So when you get weary and well-doing, you should reap if you faint not. So many times we get tired walking through the process that we get weary and we faint and we'll never reach the goal that God has called us to get to. So that's why I said write the vision down because I know sometimes I get tired and I, and, and I sit down and I, I know we're, we're right now we're heading in, into phase two and I'm trying to figure out when things are going to get done. And I'm like, man, God, I just, maybe we just need to cancel it. Maybe this. And then I go back and I look at the plans. And I begin to see the plans, and, and as I see the plans, I start seeing the people. And then I start seeing the people. I see how we can go out and change and win too soon over for Jesus Christ. And then when that happens, I'm not walking anymore. Then when I read it, I start running with it again. See, God wants us to run. He just don't want us to walk. He wants us to run. Come on, y'all. The third step that we have to do to fall in love with the process, listen to this. Covet endurance. Covet it. You know, the Bible says, thou shalt not covet. You know why? Because covet will make you, when you covet something, you'll do whatever you have to to get it. You guys, you guys with me? When you covet something, you'll, you'll do whatever. You'll, you'll scheme, you'll plot, you'll cheat, you'll do everything to get it. But right here, I'm telling you, covet endurance. Covet patience. Hebrews 10 and 36. For you are in need of patience that after you have done the will of God, can I read that again? That after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. The Amplifier says this, for you have need of patient endurance to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromising. 
so that when you have carried out the will of God, you may receive and enjoy to the full what is promised. So let me help you guys out. You're in need of patience. Let me, let me tell you guys something about your pastor. I'm strong. I'm strong and I'm fast, okay? <laughs> I can lift a lot of weight. So I go to Kai's gym, mostly women, and I get in there and I'm strong. So we're going to deadlift today, okay? Throw some weight on there. Coach said, uh, I wouldn't do that. I'm strong, man. Deadlift this all day. I'm strong. So I get down there and I'm, ugh, ugh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh-huh. Look at me, I'm strong. How long are we doing this? <laughs> uh. The cold part about it is I'm sitting there, I'm tired. I had to stop because we're doing it for so many minutes. Now, I had the strength, but I didn't have the endurance. And I turn over and look to my right, and there's this little, small, skinny girl beasting it out, just like, ha, come on, pastor, come on, let's get it, huh, huh, right? You know, there's a scripture that talks about which man will build a house without counting the cost. For when he starts and cannot finish it, he'll get mocked. I was mocked. Listen, strength ain't enough. Strength will last you. You could be strong. Let me help you out with, with temptation. You could be strong enough to handle a temptation for a moment. But what about those temptations that last for days? Your strength ain't going to matter. It's your endurance that's going to keep you. That's why it says you're in need of patient endurance. That after you've done the will of God, you can receive and enjoy the promise. But the thing says, without compromising. You know why you need endurance? Because if you don't have endurance, you're going to compromise. I, I, I can tell you why. Why? When the coach says, we're doing 100 burpees, go. <laughs> I ain't going to do it right now. Okay. You do 100 burpees. You get, to, you get to 10, you're like, whew. 15, whew. You guys know burpees are from the devil, right? Y'all go to hell. There's a chamber called burpee chamber. Just burpees. So doing burpees, you get to 20, and you resting, 25, you resting. Then you turn to look. Everybody else is done. Now everybody's waiting on you. Watch this, though. You know what you do? Somebody go, you finished? Yep. <laughs> done. Now, when they asked you where you finished, they were saying, did you do 100? That's what they're saying. You know what they meant. But you turn around and you compromise. You compromise and you lie. Because what you're doing was only between you and God. Nobody sat down and counted what you were doing. But you compromised yourself. You didn't finish the workout, but yet you said you finished it. Ah, uh, see, we compromise when we lose endurance. We'll settle for something uh, less than what God has for us. Because don't you realize in the process of doing 100, God is strengthening you. He's preparing you. See, through those 100, those 100 burpees, God was preparing me for the day that I'll be preaching up here in a tank top, all oiled up. He was preparing me for that. But because I didn't do the 100 burpees, I got a long sleeve on. 
and ashy. <laughs> Romans 12 and 2 says this, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation, process, that you may prove that which is good and the acceptable and perfect will of God. He just spelled, he spelled out the process right there. The process is good, acceptable, to perfect. You get saved, that's good. You start coming to church and reading your word, that's acceptable. But then the perfect will of God, what is that? Going through the process. I'm about to tell you guys some things that you may not want to hear. But the perfect will of God is for you to be conformed into the image of Christ. That's his perfect will. But we don't get there by rejoicing. We get there through suffering. As I bring this to a close, you guys have to understand this. God values the process more than the outcome because he values transformation. He values the transformation. God is not trying to get us to accomplish goals, dreams, and visions as much as he's trying to get us to become like his son, Jesus Christ. Do you think God wants to give you a dream and a vision just for you so you can shine? No. What he's trying to do is to get you conformed, to get you to change, to transform into the image of Christ. That's what God's goal is. So here's, here's the thing. Watch. God will give you a goal so that you can keep your eyes on that goal, that vision, that dream, so that as you're getting to that dream, you're being transformed more and more into Christ. God wants to see you getting more and more like Jesus Christ than he is interested in you being rich or starting a business. Hate to bust your bubble. Does God want you to prosper? Most definitely. But his prospering, the type of prospering he wants you to do is the prospering coming more like his son Jesus. So God ordained process. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3.10 through 12, the Amplified Version. And this, so that I may know him, experientially becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely, and in the same way experience the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers, and that I may share the fellowship of his suffering by being continually conformed inwardly into his likeness, even to his death, dying as he did, so that I may attain to the resurrection that will raise me from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it, this goal of being Christ-like, or have already been made perfect, but I actively press on so that I may take hold of that perfection for which Christ Jesus took hold of me and made me his own. Such a wonderful scripture that Paul says in the King James that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable, which means I'm being transformed. I'm walking in the process as I'm suffering. I'm walking in this process that I may know Christ, that I may be transformed more like him. Don't you realize, saints, that being a Christian means being Christ-like? You can't be a Christian if you aren't Christ-like. And you can't get Christ-like unless Paul says it, unless Paul says here, unless you have fellowship with suffering. 
Having a, a, a nice body or having a business is going to take some suffering. It's going to take some things that, that other people won't do. It's going to call for some hard times. But I bet you if you just, if I had three honest people in here, you wouldn't have known Jesus like you've known him now if it wasn't for that diagnosis of death, if it wasn't for that sickness, if it wasn't for that person leaving you out of your life, if it wasn't for that time that you felt rejected and left behind, if it wasn't for that depression, if it wasn't for any of that, you never would have been on your knees looking for Jesus Christ. That I may know him. In the power of his resurrection. My goal is to be resurrected one day. But I won't be resurrected unless I'm conformed into his image. So I must love the process of being conformed to being changed, to being transformed into Christ. To neglect God's processes is to neglect God's ways and and God's ways are who he is. If we neglect the process, we're neglecting God because the process is who he is. How do I know? Revelations 1 and 8. He says, I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. He is the Almighty. He's the beginning and the end. What's in between? The process. You can't have a beginning and an ending without something being in the middle. You can't get from Fairfield to Vallejo without driving. That's the process. Philippians 1 and 6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Process. Whatever God starts, he's going to finish. And he started a good work in you. And he said, I'll finish it, but only if you let me. Only if you submit to suffer, to be changed and transformed. Hebrews 12 and 2, we said it, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Start, ending, process. It's all about transformation. You can't embrace the process until you embrace transformation. You have to know that why I'm getting to this vision, why I'm getting to this goal, I'm being made more and more like Christ. The purpose of the process is transformation. Saints of God, I just want to help you out real quick because I believe this is wrong with the church today. We're too caught up in the suddenly moments. And suddenly. We want the suddenly healings. We want the suddenly blessings. But, but listen, those are good, but we read about them, but we don't realize there's still a process in those. Let me help you out with one. God gave a, a vision to a man named Moses. He said, watch this. I'm going to have you free my people and I'm going to take you to the land where there's milk and honey. Vision. But God led them into the wilderness for 40 years to walk around the mountain. You know what he was doing? He was getting them ready for the promised land. If he would have took them directly in the promised land, do you guys know in the promised land everything grew big? Watch this. When the spies came back from the promised land, they told, they told Moses and Joshua, they said, listen, we are like grasshoppers in the sight of the people. They talked about how everything was big there. God knew that if I let them go there with all these problems, for instance, when I needed to talk to Moses, 
Moses wasn't gone for a week, and they started worshiping idols. So I'm going to let them march around. I'm going to let them go through a process that's going to kill off everything that's not like me. I'm going to make them walk around the mountain that I met Moses on for a little while just so I, it will kill off everything that is not like me so I can have them more like me before they can inherit the promises I've given them. And even when they get in to have that promise, there's still going to be a fight to hold on and keep that promise. Saints of God, that's what God is doing to us now. It's not all about giving us the land of milk and honey. It's about us walking around in the desert for 40 years, taking off those things that are not like God. We have to embrace the process and stop waiting for these suddenly moments. God, I want to be healed now, just like you healed those people in the Bible. What about the blind man that God went, he went and spit in his hands and put dirt on it and rubbed the dirt in his eyes? There was a process. What do you see? I see, I see men that look like they're trees. They look like trees. Okay, let me do it again. What do you see now? Okay, now I see men. Process. The ten lepers. God blessed them. Go. As you go, you'll be healed. As they were walking, they were healed. Process. Because it was obedience. You guys are looking at me, and I know some of you go, well, what about the woman with the issue of blood? She touched God, and the Bible said, and immediately her fountain of blood dried up. She did get healed immediately, but there was a process she had to get to to get to Christ. See, there was a process of, first of all, she lost everything that she had. The Bible declared that she lost all of her living. And then she heard that Jesus was coming down, and then she had to push her way through the press. She had to not worry about laws and rituals because anything she touched would be considered unclean. But she pushed her way through in an act of faith because she said, if I would just touch the hem of his garment, process, just to let you guys know, she wasn't just healed. She was made whole. We got to allow the process to take place so we can come more like Jesus. And when we do, when we fall in love with the processes, we can know that we're being made more and more like Jesus. When I become like Christ, I know whatever work God has started in me, he's going to finish it. I can stand confident. So now that I'm not worried so much about reaching my goal, I'm worried about staying in this process so I could be more like Jesus. Let me share this last thought. If you're in here, and you're like, man, I want to be rich. I'm going to tell you this. Why don't you level it up one more? Say, I want to be a millionaire. If you want to be a millionaire, say, I want to be a billionaire. If you guys want to own a business, why don't you say something like, I want to have a business, but I want to be able to employ 500 people. And I'm not saying this for you to think big and talk about, well, God's a big God, so I'm going to think big. No, I'm telling you to think big because of who you'll become going through the process to get there. It's not all about reaching the, the business goal. It's not all about getting the husband. It's about the person you're becoming as you're waiting on a husband. It's about the person, the man you're becoming as you're looking for a wife. As you're seeking God first in his kingdom, that all these things will be added to you. Amen? Amen. You guys learned something today? Amen. Stand to your feet. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time.
Thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.